Welcome in. It's episode number seven, and I am super excited for this episode because not only do I have two great interviews, the one and only Bill Brio and Jim Slotek on the show, but also the nominees have been announced, so we'll run through the list of nominees. We're going to get right to it. The first category I'm going to present is the legacy category. Now, two of these nominees out of the six on the list will be voted into the Hall of Fame. They'll join a couple other legends that I will mention a little later in the show. Uh, so here they are. The six nominees are Oliver Guimon, Mordecai Richler, The Happy Gang, The Cast of Wayne and Schuster, Beatrice Lilly, and Mac Sennett. So congrats to all those nominees. I'm going to be doing more shows and more profiles on those nominees. So you'll get a better idea of who they are when you go to vote. And how do you vote? You go to CanadianComedyHall.com. Click on the donate button and become a lifetime member of the Hall of Fame. And you get to vote on all these categories. I'll have two more categories coming up a little later in the show. The creators category and the performers category. Some big names on that list. Definitely people who you're going to be interested in. And some names maybe you haven't heard before, but it's going to be really fun for you to check out who they are. And plus, don't forget, I have those two automatic induction nominees coming up a little later in the show. You're going to hear some of the names, though, in this next interview as Bill Brio joins me on the show. Bill is one of the leading voices and reporters in the television industry. He is a featured columnist and commentator. Bill's done all kinds of things, and he's a senior member of the Television Critics Association of North America. He has a podcast on his website, Brio TV, um, and his website's amazing. If you are a fan of Canadian TV or TV in general, Bill covers it all, all on Brio.tv. It's, it's a great read. It's, it's one of my daily sites I check out for anything entertainment. Bill, Bill has it on lockdown. Uh, so I hope you enjoy my interview. It was a lot of fun talking to Bill Brio on the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. The beard, is that a COVID beard like my beard? Is it yes. a, uh, yeah, yeah, I started growing it when COVID struck and yeah. yeah. Mine's a lot Same. whiter. <laughs> yeah. mine's, mine's getting there. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I have like an Instagram filter on my, uh, no, on my camera see, here. I don't or something, see any getting there. It's, yeah. uh, it's funny. I was talking to Brandon Ash Mohammed. Yeah. Um, he was in the LOL. I was talking to him last week and uh, he, we, we compared beards and our, part of our podcast was just talking about the oils and creams that go into a beard if you want to maintain it. But uh, I mean, I just let mine go at this point. So uh, yeah, me too. Me too. It's uh, I thought I'd pick up a, a bit of extra work at Christmas uh, at the mall, maybe. Yeah, there so. you go. yeah. <laughs> yeah that could work. Um, so brew TV uh, is your, is your website and it's great. Like I, like I mentioned, um, and you also have a podcast, uh, you go, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's actually Brio to think of the Brio. Italian, Italian soft drink, Brio. You know, it was, it was funny. I was listening to a couple of things that you uh, were doing, um, including that radio show you're on, uh, humble and Fred. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> and they, um, it, I, I listened to a couple episodes you were on and they said your last name different, like three I different know. times at it, you know? So I was like, Oh, uh, I don't know. Yeah. How, Howard always says to me, why did you call your site like the most difficult name to spell or pronounce? <laughs> I, you know, as I'm stuck with it, Howard, but uh, it's actually Briu. You know, I, I mispronounced my own name, but it, it's been anglicized. I've, I'm from Toronto. My dad was from Toronto. But uh, so um, I once interviewed a guy. Oh, my God. Who's that crazy Gary? Um, he rode his motorcycle without his helmet too many times. The actor. Uh, uh, Busey. 
Gary Busey. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm interviewing Gary Busey and he looks at my name tag and he goes, what's your name again? I said, Bill Brio. And he goes, no, it isn't. I said, well, you're right, actually. And he goes, you don't even pronounce your own name right. You don't even know who you are. <laughs> if Gary, Gary Busey, Busey tell you thing. that, you, it yeah. stays with you. Obviously, you've been writing uh, television critic for years. Just, I'm just curious what, what kind of like growing up, were you always a big fan of like TV and entertainment and movies? I was. I was. Yeah. Um, I didn't have any siblings. So really, I was raised in front of the TV set. My parents um, in Etobicoke, and and I, I first thing in the morning would run downstairs and watch on, t- turn the TV on before school or whatever, and look at Popeye cart. I look at anything, test patterns, you know. Um, so I, I do have a great affection for early TV, and uh, but I started writing at TV Guide. Um, that's okay. where I began. Um, I went to U, U of T, uh, and uh, I didn't you know, study journalism, but a friend of mine knew I worked at the varsity, the, the school paper at U of T and, uh, he had a job at, uh, TV guide. So I ended up working there, uh, at first in the art department. And then I became a writer I was down in LA for them for a few years. And, um, yeah, that's where I started to write about TV. And, uh, later on, uh, as a TV columnist for the Toronto sun. And then I did about 11 or 12 years for the Canadian press. So uh been writing about tv for like not quite as long as you know well but but you know when sctv started the run of sct had pretty much ended by the time i started writing about uh television yeah every time i hear a tv guide i'm a, I'm a howard stern fan so john hine uh jumped the shark which he ended up selling to tv hide so yeah our tv guide so I, I always think of that you you were part of a i guess a compilation of book of television finales yeah from howdy doody to girls for you what is the best and what is the worst television finale of all time okay the best is new heart um i think just (sighs) that last scene in bed with uh you know uh suzanne clichette uh the ending that was borrowed from the original bob newhart show when the lights came on you saw that scene that just blows everything else away what i had a feeling you were gonna say that yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. it's still for me the best uh, but there's been some others since, you know, I think the ending to uh, Six Feet Under is pretty cool. You know, uh, there's been some, um, the ending for Breaking Bad is fantastic. Right. You know, yeah. tying that into Badfinger. Uh, wow. And uh, the worst is MASH. And I'll be okay. the only one who will say this to you, but that two and a half, two and a half hours, I'll never get back. Uh, I recently, I, I saw people still celebrate the anniversary of the final episode of MASH. Uh, it's boring and uh, I hate and I hated it when I saw it. I think if people went back and watched it again, they'd pull their eyes out. So I don't like that one. Like I mentioned, the uh, the Hall of Fame is getting set to release our list of nominees mm. um, next week, which is, which is really exciting for, for us. So I have a few names that I've wrote here. Uh, there's yeah. about 30 nominated. The first name I have on the list is Ivan Reitman. We recently lost Ivan Reitman. And I remember, or I read on your, on your site that Ivan being involved in David Cronenberg's kind of early movies like Shivers, which I didn't know at at all, which is, which is super cool. And of course, Ghostbusters, you know, and, and meatballs and all those. Um, So Ivan Reitman, kind of your thoughts on him as, as a, as a nominee. Well, uh, you know, he really uh, was one of the, um, architects of uh comedy today i think you know and certainly for 
uh, you know, not just in the 80s when he had all his big blockbuster movie success, but it resonated for a couple of decades. Um, and I just think that, um, you know, he did a variety of things, as you just said, Cronenberg. Yeah. Reitman came out of McMaster and literally mm-hmm. he, he knew Eugene Levy and he knew Martin Short and these guys. He, he, and so he just came with that flow of whatever was in the water back then uh, in the seventies, that is this wellspring for Canadian comedy. And, um, but he was more of a producer. He knew how to tell stories. He wasn't like a comedian or an actor, uh, but he knew how to deliver uh, films that people would embrace and, and a lot of people. So even with the early comedies like meatballs, there's a, there's a sweetness to that film with Bill Murray in it and everything. And it was made for a buck and a quarter, you know, um, <laughs> but the Cronenberg stuff. Yeah. He, um, there was another producer. I, I got to know Don Carmody who was sort of the quietly is like produced more tele more movies than any other Canadian, but he was, involved in a lot of films and he was involved with Cronenberg and yeah so a lot of uh, Reitman's early stuff was there was as much horror in, in it as there was comedy so not, uh, not a bad way to start with people yeah. like Martin Short and Eugene Levy making comedy yeah. shorts in university yeah. right exactly. um, the next one I want to bring up is a show that honestly uh, embarrassingly I didn't know about and that's Codco so the cast of Codco is nominated for this year's uh, Hall of Fame, kind of the precursor to 22 Minutes. Mary Walsh was part of that show. Absolutely. Um, and and yeah. uh, Kathy Jones' brother, Andy Jones, and uh, the those guys, there was four of them. And yeah, they just came like rock and roll comedians out of off the rock there. And uh, it was a very aggressive comedy, fearless, young. And um, it was really the 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 band that had to happen before the the big band that was 22 minutes you know they uh they rocked it out for sure the next one if 22 minutes is a canadiana show this one is probably the ultimate canadian sh- canadiana show and that's the red green show um steve smith is is nominated is there a more canadian show in history uh, I, I will second that nomination and uh drive him up from florida you guys uh should honor uh, Steve Smith, he is, uh, to me, one of the heroes of Canadian television. I don't know anyone who did more for less. Uh, he literally, I mean, that was an afterthought, Red Green. He was working on something else, and he just was in between the shows that he was making for Nichols and Dimes in Hamilton. He threw himself in a boat with a paddle and a plaid shirt, and 16 seasons of that show sold all over the States, PBS stations. He would go on PBS pledge breaks and say, uh, you know, if you like our show, send a little money. <laughs> if, if you don't like it, send a lot of money so they can afford to buy something better. <laughs> That's great. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> um, I interviewed him many times and uh, he understood. I mean, you know, to make anything on television in Canada is a miracle. And uh, he, uh, the, the crazy system of, um, the way money is is raised and funding for these shows, it's makes my head explode. Steve found a way to do it without a lot of that. And so that's what makes him heroic to me, that he created all those hours of television because people wanted to see it and stations wanted to buy it. And so my hat is off to him every single time. The metaphor of putting it together with duct tape. Uh, Absolutely. Goes well for that show, right? Absolutely. Well done, Chad. 
Um, <laughs> the next person I have there is a, is a household name. Michael J. J. Fox is nominated. So Family Ties was obviously a TV show that he was in, involved. What did you ever interview Michael J. Fox or? I did. Yeah. A few yeah. times. Um, once he was trying to make a comeback with a sitcom 15 years ago. Now I'm not sure, but it was kind of a, it was a sad uh, interview in a way because the Parkinson's had really overtaken his ability to perform. Here was a guy who was so precise in terms of just his natural ability to do uh, for timing. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's, it's, I don't know what it would be like trying to skate with your laces tied together. You know, here's, a, it must've been terribly frustrated, but I had admired him and he was trying to figure it out. It just, even in the interview, um, I had to ask him to repeat a few things because his voice was just impacted and uh, man, what a drag, but um, somebody that uh, his, his story about driving down to LA, living out of his car, parking next to a telephone booth so that he could get callbacks for additions. You know, it's a typical rags to riches, Canadian success story. Even NBC didn't have any faith in him. Brandon Tartikoff didn't want him on Family Ties. Said I could never see that kid's face on a lunchbox. And um, what a you know Brandon Tartikoff. He was the guy. He he had the instinct. He was the one that said MTV Cops. They made him Miami Vice. Uh, so he kind of missed that one. And years later, Michael J. Fox sent Brandon Tartikoff a lunch pail with his uh, face on it. So a great success story and uh, someone who's work after his stardom in, in trying to find a cure for Parkinson's is uh, just such a tremendous achievement. Yeah. He's one of those people he's from uh, grew up in Burnaby and it's not like his parents were in show business or anything, a very, you know, modest upbringing, which is yeah, yeah the Canadian way. An another name that I didn't again, I've heard the name, but wasn't really familiar with uh, Al Waxman and uh, the King of Kensington was his show ran for about five years. Um, it was uh, early seventies. It was sort of Canada's all in the family in a way mm -hmm. in that uh, Al Waxman's character was the King of Kensington. He was a blue collar working class guy. If you go down to the Kensington market in Toronto, there is a statue of Al Waxman as the King of Kensington there. You can see it. Um, and, um, yeah, like Canada does not have a real history of sitcoms we're sketch. And so, uh, there are very few corner gas is the big shining example, but in terms of, um, old fashioned three camera sitcoms, very few really that endured beyond a season, uh, King of Kensington went five and that was really quite an achievement, but you know, Waxman was an actor. He was on Cagney and Lacey later. Uh, he had an ability to uh, perform like Carol O'Connor. He wasn't a comedian, but uh, yeah, he really was uh, one of the primary guys in the seventies in terms of Canadian television. Two more to get your thoughts on uh, the first being nominee, Phil Hartman. Um, I was talking to Rob Cohen on this show, Rob. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. yeah he, he's great. He's uh, he the is. nicest guy. Um, he was telling me about the first time he met Phil and it was in a washroom side by side, shoulder to shoulder at a urinal. <laughs> and he just seemed like the nicest guy. And, and even his stories, like he is the nicest. He was, sorry, was the nicest 
human being um, and such a, a, a legend. I mean, I started watching Saturday Night Live. The first episode I saw was the best of Phil Hartman, which oh. isn't a bad one to see. So no. um, yeah. did you ever have a run in with Phil or get a chance to interview him? I'm trying to think. I'm sure I was down at TCA, the Television Critics Association, for sessions that where he was on stage. I don't, I don't remember talking to one on one. I've talked to his brother up in Own Sound, uh, but uh, Phil was the glue that. Uh, and ask anybody at Saturday Night Live. He was the guy who, who held all those sketches together. He could walk in as any character in any situation, and just be the glue for the sketch. And um, tremendously funny uh just for his work on the simpsons alone my god for nine seasons the first nine or ten seasons he's in the simpsons and uh is brilliant every single time as uh the has-been actor oh my god i was trying to help me out yeah Uh, i'm trying i'm trying to think yeah Uh, Uh, yeah. but but, uh it was it was two has-been actors actual names put together right that's terrible not to remember this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my God, so funny. Every single like on Pee Wee's Playhouse, he's brilliant. Like he was mm-hmm. always funny and um, just a horrible tragedy that uh, we, we, we lost out on so many other years of his uh, genius. Uh, just a wonderful guy. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable talent. And finally, I've done a ton of these interviews, you know, a bunch of these shows now and the, thread that keeps coming up over and over is SCTV. Um, so the whole cast is nominated, like I mentioned. You said you you actually went to grade school with Catherine O'Hara, which is well, just- I, I grew up in the West End in Etobicoke. I went to Our Lady of Peace grade school and the O'Hara's were one of the families in that parish. Okay. So I knew more. Her brother, uh, Michael, Mickey, Michael O'Hara uh, was a year older. Uh, she was a few years older than that. So but the O'Hara's were just one of the funny families there, um, her mom and everybody, they were known for their wit. And uh, I did see her a couple of times. She came back uh, for, for certain things and had a chance to talk to her then. And I talked to her during the run of um, Schitt's Creek. Right. And uh, we, I had 15 minutes and I went in and we talked 14 minutes about sister Martha Ann, the <laughs> evil principal of uh, our lady of peace. And I had only one minute left to talk about her show, but yeah, what a, what a natural talent! All those people coming out of the fire hall at SC Second City, and um, she was just incredible. Every single characterization, and even you see a glimpse of her on a Super Bowl ad now with Eugene Levy, and yep. you just think, "Wow, this is fantastic!" You just yeah, you're just so happy to see her and him. I feel like a bit some of those SCTV people, and I mean they've always been stars, but are having a little bit of a resurgence in their careers with with Eugene <laughs> and even Martin Short. I see Martin oh. Short absolutely everywhere now. He's on in every talk show again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, it it it. Uh, they and that's wonderful. Like they all deserve it, you know. And I'd like to see more of you, uh, Joe Flaherty and Dave Thomas. And I I don't get ever get tired of any of these guys. Rick Moranis. Mm-hmm. I was at the. Um, Jimmy Kimmel hosted the event at uh, in Toronto at the Elgin Theater four years ago when it was announced Martin Scorsese is going to do this big documentary. And it was like going to Lourdes. It was just a room full of people who couldn't believe they were in that same room. And uh, what a wonderful night that was to hear from all of them on that stage. Thank, thanks a lot, Bill, for uh, for coming on and humoring me and, and going through the uh, 
the, our list of nominees. I, there's, there's a lot more uh, names to come out, but I, uh, I wanted to get your perspective on those. So it was great. Thanks again. Appreciate it. Thank you, Chad. And three cheers. Put uh, Steve Smith on that list. My God, I'm, I'm thrilled to hear it. And all those other people. I can't believe they're not already in the Canadian <laughs> Comedy Hall of Fame. So I'm glad to hear you're doing it. Awesome. Thanks again to Bill for coming on the show. And once again, Brio.tv has everything you need to know about television, rating stuff, Canadian stuff. It's a great website. And the podcast is great, too. You can find links to the podcast also on Brio.tv. So thanks again to Bill. So let's get to the next category I'm going to present you with. The next list of nominees. This is our creators category. Five of these nominees will be voted in. There's currently nine on the list. And here they are. The creators nominated for the Class of 2022 Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame are Mark Breslin from Yuck Yucks, Sandra Fair, Keith Johnson, Robert Gravel, and Yvonne LaDuke, Ivan Reitman, Andy Nullman, Bruce Hills from the Just for Laughs Festival, Joanna Downey, Andrew Alexander, and Lorne Michaels. So those are the nominees in the creator category. Again, five of those nominees will be voted into this year's Hall of Fame. Coming up in just a bit, I will give you the nominees in the performers category and tell you who the two automatic entries are into the class of 22 Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. But first, it's Jim Slotek. Jim is a former columnist for the Toronto Sun. He was a movie critic, TV critic, comedy beat reporter, which we talk about. Jim has a Gemini nomination. He also writes for the website Original Sin, a great website. It has all kinds of amazing movie reviews from some of the top journalists in Canada. Worth checking out for sure. Jim is also a member of the board of directors here at the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. Very cool to to speak to him. Jim has... Great knowledge, inside stories on some of the big nominees that are nominated this year. You're going to hear some uh, amazing names from the performer categories and creator categories. And and Jim Jim just covers it all, working 30 years in, in the comedy scene. He He's seen it all. He's done it all. Had a great chat with him. So here it is, Jim Slotek on the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. What's the day in the life of a comedy beat reporter like? Well, the, the great thing was back then if you had a beat, Nobody told you what to do. You told them what you were doing. Right. And so uh, what I had was um, a space, about half of a tabloid page every week, every Monday. And it could be some big name that was coming into town. I could interview them or, or, or I could check out uh, open mics and see who's, you know, see who dropped into open mics or even write about who's, who's holding them, you know, like uh, Joanna Downey was, that's how I first got to know her was, was writing about her open mics and getting tips about who was coming or, or who had been there and, and that sort of thing. So it, it could, it could be somebody, you know, a Canadian, a Canadian act just getting started like Russell Peters was when, when I first wrote about him in the early nineties, uh, or it could be, like I say, somebody who's, who's playing Massey Hall you know, like Sam Kinison or somebody like that, or even some, some pretty big names played some of the, some of the clubs too. Like I, I had what was almost a wall of fame of my interviews uh, at the old laugh resort, early interviews with Ellen DeGeneres and um, Gilbert Gottfried and people like that. Uh, as I, as I would go up to the stair, up the stairs to the club, because they all played uh, the laugh resort. 
Uh, Joanna Downey, also you mentioned, is nominated this year for the for the Hall of Fame, which which is very cool to see. How did you find your way to the Hall of Fame? Uh, you're on the board of directors. You're the treasurer yeah. now of the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. So how did you find your way on onto there? Well, uh, Tim Progosh really got uh, was was the uh, spoon that stirred that drink, and uh, I've known him since he was in a troupe called Five Hundred Miles Off Broadway. Uh, which was in the 80s, I guess, when I first started writing about comedy in the first place, and uh, knew him when he was uh, the the sorcerer on on Aladdin on TV, and you know the various things various things he did. I joke that I see him having a stroke about uh, every day on that commercial that keeps running. Um, so I, so through covering comedy, I've known him for a long time, and. Uh, uh, you know, we we know each other well enough that when he did a project like this, I guess he realized there had to be. My my joke was that I'm here because I know where to put the commas. <laughs> uh, somebody has to know how to spell Dan Aykroyd uh, and 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 other names and uh, and all stuff I've been doing for years and sort of use my side, my left brain side of the, of the whole thing, you know, because uh, comics aren't aren't judged on their spelling, but I am. I, uh, I've, I've noticed a, a bit of that in, in kind of my short time involved that it is very, it's a creative bunch, I think is the best way to say it. So yeah, um, they're, they're very fun to work with. I just, I just have a question. I'm a big fan of hockey and I, and I was reading bios and stuff. And I know you wrote for the NHL awards. What, who was the host the year you wrote for the NHL awards? I, I wrote for it for three years in a row. Okay. Uh, and the host for two of those was Alan Thicke. And for one of them, it was Alex Trebek. Sadly, uh, both gone. Uh, but it was it was a lot of fun. And it was uh, I got called in the first year because the head writer had a heart attack. Uh, another person who sadly is gone, a guy named Ian Anderson. But uh, uh, Ted Wallachan, who was one of the writers, called me up and said, "You know, you, you know how to write jokes. Why don't you come join us?" And so I did for about the last three weeks of that first first uh, NHL awards I, I worked on. I worked it out at the office that, you know, as long as I got everything, got my column done by noon, I could go write my jokes in the afternoon. And uh, I ended up getting a Gemini nomination for that those NHL awards. And the irony was that I'd been hired, you know, after, after you do something, then people say, oh, he can do that thing. <laughs> and so and so I ended up getting hired on, on award shows. And, and to this day, I still do every so often. So I was working on the Geminis when I got nominated for a Gemini. And the, those and uh, it was it was a start of a, a string of, of NHL awards. Believe me, it's, it's no small thing getting a joke to work coming out of the mouth of a hockey player. Well, not only that, like you have to write in somebody else's voice and, and people, you know, Alex Trebek is, is known for being that. You know, he, he, he has a great sense of humor and he does show, he, he did show that on Jeopardy for years, but he was yeah. kind of known as a straight and narrow guy. So, so writing jokes, even for him would be, I, I feel not the easiest task. I, I wrote one that he loved uh, and it was, he, he had a, he had a player co-host in Doug Gilmore. There was Doug Gilmore, Gilmore and Brett Hull. And uh, I had this exchange with him halfway through the show where, where he asked, well, Doug, how, how's it going so far? What do you think about hosting the show and he says well it's a lot like being in the game you know you you stay within yourself and give 110 percent and then I, so I had Alex say you know that's always bothered me you can't give more than 100 percent by definition you know and and, and uh, having him chew out Doug Gilmore and and, uh, and Gilmore's like puzzled and he, and he says well here's you and he puts his hand up and he says here's 100 percent and slapping slapping the, the hands together 
Um, and it, it, the, the punchline was, well, you couldn't play for Pat Burns. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but the, he liked the joke so much that we were in the green room. I could see him all day long slapping his palms for that big punchline. And uh, so I was I was happy. It, it was like most jokes on, on award shows, uh, kind of crickets when, when it, it was fine when it finally happened. But uh, I was I was just proud to uh, to give him something that uh, that he found funny. Yeah, I mean, Alex Trek, an absolute Canadian legend. So I want to go through some some people that, that were nominated as the nominees just came out and just your experience with that person, either interviewing or, or you know, work you've you've admired that they've done. Um, the first one I want to mention is Norm Macdonald. So you uh, wrote, I believe, for The Citizen in, in Ottawa for for a few years when you were yeah, starting. Almost, almost three years. And Norm, uh, I knew his brother. His brother was assistant city editor, uh, Neil Macdonald, who en- ended up going to CBC. And Norm was just somebody who was in this group of friends that I sort of made after I moved there. He had not even done it. We, we had to convince him to do an open mic. Uh, he lived in, a, in his uh, mother's basement and uh you know always seemed to have Ill- illegal drugs handy and uh <laughs> and he in in return for us paying for his beer when he'd meet us at the pub you know he would he, he would roll something uh but his he just he was the kind of person you you kept around no matter how annoying or or uh they, how annoying they could be because he was he was so entertaining he was wherever he wherever he went that's where the show was you know and uh, I, I can, I don't, I don't know uh, uh, how much we want to say about what, but uh, he, he uh, went to, he took journalism, but never really followed it. His brother got him an interview to be, a, a, I guess, a copy runner at the Citizen. And so he's, he's sitting outside the publisher's office. And I said, Norm, what are you doing here? And he said, ah, Neil made me do this interview. And he said, I said, well, are you prepared for it? He said, yeah, I dropped some acid. <laughs> So I, I don't imagine that uh, uh, Neil has, has, I think, referred to that interview, um, but it, it, uh, I'd love to have been a fly on the wall for it. That's wild that you guys had to convince Norm to go on stage, one of the greatest Canadian stand-ups ever, you know, to, to do those first open mics. He, he killed and was so spontaneous, you know, because the rule of thumb they often say is, is you have to do 10 years of, of working clubs, middling, maybe doing some road uh and and a year after he did that open mic he was on the gala at just for laughs which meant he was on cbc and all the rest mm-hmm. of it and we we got together i hadn't seen him in a little bit and um we just sort of talked about things we found funny and and i told him about mark garno canada's first man in space that one of the things they had him doing was puking because <laughs> they, were, they were studying um uh, space sickness and he was prone to it so that was one of the things that interested them and so this was the, the day of his gala and, and I go to the, to the Teatro Saint-Denis and there he had a bit about the thing that I had told him. Oh my God. Yeah. So, and of course it never, it never made it to CBC because uh, he's a national hero and you don't want to talk yeah. about it. And probably the greatest talk show guest I've seen. I mean, you know, when he was on Conan or Letterman or, you know, Leno, like all this, he was lights out every, every time. Any kind of guest, yeah. Yeah. Any kind of guest on anything. Yeah, he, he was great. The, the next one uh, I want to go to is Lorne Michaels. Um, of course, he's known for SNL. Uh, you, you've been a movie critic for years, but so many movies and TV shows that that, Lorne, that people don't realize Lorne was involved in. You know, Tommy Boy, Wayne's World. You know, those ones are coming out of SNL class. He's also involved with Kids in the Hall. 
produced that um, in the 80s, Mean Girls, 30 Rock. Just talk about Lauren and kind of his legacy to Canada and how and, and to entertainment in general, how massive it is. Well, you know, a lot of that might not have happened if we actually uh, didn't treat our comic geniuses so shab- shabbily because he had for one season with his partner, Hart Pomerantz, a great uh, variety show on CBC called uh, The Hart and Lauren Terrific Hour. And Bill Brio, who uh, we were talking about earlier before before we started, um, he does a thing called uh, TV on film, where he finds 16 millimeter reels of, of old shows. And then one of the things he had uh, an episode of the Hart and Lauren Terrific Hour, and I remember watching it because uh, he would interview the Canadian Beaver, and, and Hart Pomerantz was the Beaver, and they would, you know, that about the American Eagle. He's always saying, "I'm going to make you rich, Beaver. I'm going to make you rich." They had they had all these bits. And he, uh, I don't know, you know, one of one of our nominees, or, or I guess they're already inducted, Wayne and Schuster. Frank Schuster was the father of Rosie Schuster, who uh, Lauren ended up marrying. And so in high school, he would have dinner at their house, and he was learning about humor from Frank, Schu- Frank wow. Schuster at the dinner table, you know. But the the show was not treated well. Uh, he he had interest in L.A. I, I, he did some writing on uh, Rowan and Martin's Laughing. So it was uh, just a classic example of somebody who had to go south to, to uh, find his wheels. And, uh, and he, when he did, it was just incredible. You know, I mean, I, I remember when Saturday Night Live started, I was in high school and it was, you know, they didn't have water coolers, but we were, we were by the lockers just tell, uh, repeating to each other the, the, the bits we saw with that original cast, Belushi and Aykroyd, Gilda Radner, the whole lot. And uh, yeah, it, it, it just seemed like, at one, at one uh, on one hand, it's great to see a Canadian do so well. On the other hand, there, there's a little bit of sort of remorse that you know we don't keep them. Yeah, yeah, there 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 is that. And I've hear, heard that a lot from talking to people over the last couple of months. You know, that making that that trip down south is just for more viable for Canadians. You did mention Dan Aykroyd, who's also nominated nominated uh, Coneheads, Ghostbusters. He has his big vodka company, um, but Dan is is a Canadian legend uh, in, in his own right. Yeah, a, w- a wacky guy, a, a ufologist. You know, he's he's very much into UFOs and <laughs> and all kinds. Of, a lot of uh, Ghostbusters came from just all all of his sort of uh, psychic phenomena I- interest and stuff like that. Apparently, and a lot of, some childhood experiences. Right, is where he got it. Like his grandma or parents' house was haunted, and and that's where he came with the idea. Yeah, you know, as they say on the internet video, or it didn't happen. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but he has those stories, and, and they've always motivated him. And, and apparently the first draft of Ghostbusters was just so uh, insane that uh, it would never see the light of day. But uh, it, it provided the bones of, of what became that movie finally. Catherine O'Hara, another uh, uh, nominee this year, kind of twice with the cast of SCTV and uh, again, nominated on her own. I looked at other Hall of Fames and this isn't unprecedented. Stephen Stills was nominated twice in 1997 for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So Catherine could be the Stephen Stills of Canadian comedy. Right. Greatest mom in, t- in, in movie history, I, I, I would or, think. Or, or most negligent, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. She's, she's but, but a wonderful actress, a, a great improviser. I mean, obviously, since uh, you know she she, uh, she landed in in those um, that series of movies, waiting for Guffman, uh, uh, for your consideration, uh, best in show. I mean, it's a it's 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 a great thing to have 
a rap company doing these great comedies and she is a, a key in all of them you know um, a mighty wind so captured the the folk uh beatnik era uh, uh stuff i mean she just she's just perfect in almost in, in anything she does uh, you know I, I think of beetlejuice her role in that uh, it's they're they're all entirely different and she nails every every one of them and i i mean you know obviously uh, Shit's creek that's that's one for the ages but she she created that character her clothes her bearing you know everything about her is it's just an immortal character so much range you're, you're absolutely right all those characters are so different in, uh, in in so many ways another female that's nominated so many great canadian females uh comics and, and it's nice to see a bunch of them on this list including elvira kurt um kind of ahead of her time as a stand-up yeah uh, elvira was um you know, first of all, to be openly gay at that time, there are there are a lot of open, openly gay comics now, uh, and and at least one very talented trans. And uh, but back then, it was not something you went around and talked about. And she was right up front about it from the beginning. Uh, she's just just a, a natural, you know, a natural host and that natural in front of the microphone. And so she was uh, completely and utterly herself from the beginning. That's it's just somebody probably should have been bigger. Um, and there's a lot, there's a lot of those in Canada. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, even Steve Smith, who, who's nominated another one probably should have been a, a bigger star. Um, of course the red green show was huge here, but, uh, you know, and it, it was picked up in, in the States, but you know, so, so many should, should have been huge. Um, Leslie Nielsen is one that's nominated, of course, naked gun airplane, you know, he was kind of, I think he would, it would surprise a lot of Americans that he was Canadian. And and also it surprised people that he was funny because he spent all those years being utterly serious in every movie he was in, like Forbidden Planet as a space captain and stuff like that. Um, and and it really was Airplane that uh, where people discovered that, that, that he had this skill. And I interviewed him a bunch of times actually and wrote for him once, which was kind of kind of cool. Uh, he was hosting the Canadian Radio Music Awards, which were part of Canadian Music Week, which is one of my writing clients. And they said, well, write a monologue for him. And it was, it was a, a lunch event kind of thing, awards Canadian music. And so it was it was around 2000. And my my joke was that, uh, uh, you know, he claimed to know Canadian music, but he really only knew it up to the point he left Canada. So he, <laughs> I had him going up there saying, you know, just watch out for Luba and, and <laughs> yeah. the Club and, and uh, you know, Martha and the Muffins, they're going to happen <laughs> and stuff like that. And, and the thing was, uh, he killed with it. But I, I came there, he was right about on his dessert. I, I showed up with the script for his monologue. He just looked at it, flip. Yep. 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 Okay, got it. And one read, and then he went up there and did it and brought the house down. Such I mean, talent. Yeah, I you know, it it, it reflects well on me, but I, but I mean the 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 sheer delivery uh, first first uh, first try uh, just astonished me. He had such such a natural comic bent, and it's maybe a shame that he didn't get to use it most of his career. It was really only like the last, if you were we're gonna the last twenty years of his life, hmm. and he he would be considered for a comedy hall of fame. 
that scene in Naked Gun where he uh, sings the American national anthem. I think where that that's where that came from, where everybody's like, oh, he has to be American. Do you have any any other names that, that really stick out to you on, on the list of nominees? I think there's about 35 names on there. We've only touched on a few, but is there any other that, that are like absolutely, you know, you're happy to see them on there? And Well, you know, uh, here's Pepiet and Aylesworth. I, mm-hmm. I, I interviewed Frank Pepiet when uh, he was, he, he'd, he'd done a musical about being old and, uh, and, and I'd always, I'd always admired that, that team. Um, but when John Ellsworth died, uh, it was the same, same week that I got to interview Cher for the movie Burlesque. And, it, um, you know, they were, they were very famous uh, for working with Sonny and Cher as well as many other, uh, uh, like Judy Garland and, uh, but but I, I said to her just by way of opener, I'm really sorry to hear John Aylesworth died, and she said, "Who's that?" Mm. And I said, "He and his production partner produced the Sonny and Cher show," and she said, "Oh well, Sonny dealt with those people, you know." Oh, wow. And, and yeah. I, I, here's two of the greatest television producers that ever lived, and um, you know that's basically it, it's maybe it's part of being Canadian, maybe it's part of comedy. Maybe it's part of being, you know, what the suits who put who put the things together, but write the funny stuff. Um, but if you you, you could go uh, around around the streets and you might ask a hundred people, and maybe one of them would finally know who Pepiet and Aylesworth were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of those it's one of those things about Canada uh, and celebrating our own, right? It's it's not something that we've really been the best at over the years. We don't really celebrate ourselves, so that's why the the Hall of Fame is so exciting. Yeah, we have a lot of catching up to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, thanks a lot, Jim, for, for going through a list of just some of the nominees with me and, uh, and telling those stories. Um, that was great. Thanks again. I really appreciate it. You, you take care. I appreciate it myself. Thanks once again to Jim Slotech for joining us on the show. And check Jim out at his website, originalsin.ca. Sin spelt with a C. A lot of fun talking to Jim. So I have one more list of nominees to go through, and that is the list for the performers category. And here they are, the performers nominated for the class of 2022, Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. 10 of these 15 names will be voted in by you. The names are Norm MacDonald, Mike MacDonald, the cast of SCTV, the cast of Codco, Steve Smith, Rose Ouellette, Catherine O'Hara, Mort Saul, Elvira Kurt, Michael J. Fox, Al Waxman, Phil Hartman, Leslie Nielsen, David Steinberg, and Dan Aykroyd. So there it is. There's your full list of nominees. Donate and have a voting right. For the rest of your life, you can vote on who gets into the hall. For the class of 2022 in the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. And once again, there's only one way these nominees and your favorite performer, creator, or legacy member is going to get in, and that is if you vote. And to vote, you have to go to CanadianComedyHall.com, sign up for a membership. So there's two acts that you won't be able to vote on at CanadianComedyHall.com, and that is because they have been acclaimed as inducted for the class of 2022 in the Comedy Hall of Fame, and they are writer, performer, humorist Stephen Leacock, and the writing duel who dominated television comedy Frank Pepiet and John Aylesworth. So congratulations to them and congrats to all our nominees. And don't forget, follow us, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, absolutely everywhere. 
Get all the updates from the show and all the updates from the nominees. And thanks again for listening. Thanks again to Bill Brio for coming on the show and to Jim Slotech for coming on the show. Stay tuned for more great episodes for the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. I'm Chad Newman. <laughs>